to, we don't have any biblical account to make that stick. And so when you hear people saying Jesus was in hell being tormented, no, he was not. No, he, who, first of all, who's going to torment him? No one. Jesus was not tormented. And so let's perish that thought. But going to hell is where he went. Not the, now it could be also that he went to the other side of hell as well. There's a passage that people bring up. There is much debate about this passage, what it means, but clearly Jesus was doing something else. Let's pause for a second in terms of him dealing with the righteous, and let's also deal with him dealing with the unrighteous. This passage, we're not totally sure what it means, but we do know that it took place while he was in the grave. It says here in 1 Peter 3, let's go to verse Let's go to verse 18. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. In which, look what he says, also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who were once disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Now, I won't go into and break that down because again, there are so many people who have different views as to what was happening. Which souls were he, was he only gonna to speak to the people that died at the time of Noah? Those people who, who rebelled? Was he speaking about uh, demons who, were, who had been placed in chains? What, we don't know. We do know that he did go there, and we don't know what the proclamations were. We have no idea. All we do know is that he did go, and these are people who are not marked for salvation. That part we do know. And so we see him in this, in hell, in both abodes, one dealing with the, with the, uh, the unrighteous, and this could also include fallen angels, we, it, it, again, it just doesn't give us enough. And so this is one of those points where we have to say, I don't know, not sure what he means by this. And if you, if, if you go to different commentaries, you'll see a lot of different solutions to what he's saying here. But we do know that those, the boat of the dead for those who are marked for heaven, those people were brought up. Now, to add further proof that Jesus had not gone to heaven. To add further proof, and again, in case someone is joining me late, when I say that he went to hell, it is not to say that he was tormented. That is, that is not, that is not biblical, that's not sound doctrine. But to give further proof that Jesus did not go to heaven, and since he does say that today you will be with me in paradise, that he will be in paradise, to give further validity that paradise was not in heaven at that time. We do know that paradise is now in heaven. Why do we know that? Because Paul gives a statement about he knows of someone, whether in the spirit or in flesh, who was caught up to the third heavens to paradise. Well, now at the point that Paul makes that statement, where is paradise? In heaven. But at the time that Jesus is going to be in paradise, it's not in heaven. How do we know? Because Jesus makes a statement. In John 20, 17, Jesus is speaking to Mary. He says, Jesus said to her, because she's grabbing a hold of him, he says to her, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. 
But then he says, go but and tell my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father and my God. So I'm going to ascend. And this is him. This is a future tense. This is him going to. This is him going to uh, ascend. He's ascending. He's preparing to ascend. So he hadn't done so yet. And he tells Mary, I have not yet ascended. So it could not be that that day that he died, he's in paradise if paradise is in heaven. Paradise is not yet in heaven. And so the whole point of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection we get. But it's the ascension that we need to now kind of put a bow on. He does so to reconcile us to God. Now, the Bible makes a statement. There's a statement that's called of Jesus. Jesus did not have to be born again. This is why it also it, it, it matters who you listen to, because there are some people that said that Jesus needs to be born again because they see this phrase and this phrase is not being born again. But it does say that Jesus is the firstborn. The firstborn of what? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let's in verse 20. Now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruit of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. So now Jesus is called the firstborn among the dead, the first fruit. So he is the first to die and to also be brought up. Like he says, for in Adam all die, so in Christ also will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruit after those who are Christ at his coming, then comes the end. Now, I won't go into the rest of that because he's kind of speaking in the eschatological order as well, but he is the first fruit amongst those who will be risen. In other words, there is nobody who will precede Christ to heaven. Not Elijah, not Moses, not Enoch, no one. And interestingly enough, to think about this for a second. Now, David also mixed, I need a matter of fact, I want to cover this as well, so we, so we can know who or where Jesus also went. Uh, David makes a statement that's also ascribed to Jesus. Let's go to Acts 2.27, so that we can also know that he also went to the grave and where his soul was as well. He says in Acts 2.27, he says, because you will not abandon my soul, my soul to Hades, nor allow your Holy One to undergo or to see corruption or decay. So his body was physically in the grave as well as his soul in Hades. He's not going to be there very long. He's there for a purpose. Now think about this also. After Jesus, his death, burial, and then his resurrection, his ascension, notice what we never see again. Prior to this, we'll see People like Moses, people like Elijah, people like um, Samuel being brought up from the dead. But we never see them that happening after Jesus's ascension. Well, why is that? Well, because nobody is going to heaven and coming back. Matter of fact, could you imagine? Let's just now this is just me. But could you imagine? Could you imagine someone going to heaven? and then having to come back to earth. What a horrible trip that would be. What a horrible trip to be in heaven and then come back to earth. I, you know what? I'd rather be on earth and go to prison 
than to be in heaven and come back to earth. And we never see that happen. So after his ascension, we never see Moses again. We never see Elijah. We never see anyone who was previously dead now being brought up. Why? Because now they have been taken, translated to a different place. And so for that reason, guys, I think it is appropriate to see that Jesus, during those days, he wasn't just hanging out in the grave. He wasn't just twiddling his thumbs. He wasn't just kind of, you know, let me get myself ready. Let me get some, let me get some extra sleep. Let me get myself ready. No, he was taking, he was doing something. He was doing what was required. Remember, this reconciliation needs to take place. Under the old, there was the need for sin in mankind being dealt with, which is what's going to happen um, because of the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't matter to anyone who's already dead. They don't have to worry about sin bothering them, at least as far as we know. But what we do know, what we do know, is that none of those people could be reconciled. Why? Because there needed to be a mechanism how they would be brought to God. And the way that's done is by Jesus leading the way, being the first fruit, and him leading a host of captives on high. Now, some people, again, I, I, I think the bigger reason why a lot of people are bothered by the notion that he could have possibly gone to hell, it just doesn't sound right. doesn't feel good. <laughs> doesn't feel good. Well, it doesn't matter if it feels good or not. It, we've got scriptures that say that he literally descended. We've got scriptures that say that literally uh, that he did not ascend after his death. Well, if he did not ascend after his, his death, and that it says that he did descend. Now, there's debate as to what the descent means. Well, if he didn't, uh, if he didn't ascend immediately, then he must have descended. Again, I think the bigger issue is that sometimes we have a tendency to overcompensate when someone says something that is so egregious on the other side, such as Jesus was in hell being tormented. Well, then the knee-jerk response is to kick the other way, overcompensate to the other side. No, he didn't go to hell at all. Well, he he did. Uh, but again, when we say hell, we mean the grave. We mean Sheol. We mean the abode of the dead. And he, there was a reason for that. So I hope this was uh, helpful. I hope this was beneficial, especially in this time as, we get, as we're getting ready to celebrate what he did on the cross for us and then also the subsequent re resurrection. Uh, there is no greater joy that we can have than to know what Christ did on the cross for us. Amen? Now, I'll go ahead for the sake of time if there are some people that have some questions regarding this. If you have some questions, even if you disagree, uh, we'll go ahead and take a few minutes and cover those. If you want to go ahead and put uh, some question, uh, a Q or uh, capital question, all caps questions, and let me know that you have a question, uh, go ahead and, uh, yeah, quick questions, go ahead and put it in and then let me know if you, especially if you, if you disagree. Especially if you disagree. What do I think of Old Testament saints who uh, walked? You mean after is death, and then you, you see these dead people in the streets walking? We don't know. We don't know whatever happened to those people. We don't know if they if they turn around and died again. We have no. The Bible just doesn't say. All we do know, well, we don't know, but we're just using our our, our imagination now. Because could you imagine um, 
Aunt Jeannie, uh, uh, Cousin Bo, Uncle Herman, they're up walking around. Wait a second. I know you died because I buried you. I was at the funeral. I cried over you. When you, when you died, you died owing me $20 and you didn't pay it back. I cried for my $20 and for you. Now you're up walking around. What gift? Could you imagine the spectacle that that would have presented? But the Bible just does not say. The Bible just does not say what happened when they died, if they died, and so forth. So that that's one of those head scratches that we're just going to find out when we get to heaven. Uh-oh. Doggone it. I, I'm trying to answer these questions. And I'm going to try to be, where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? I'm trying to, there it is. Because this thing is moving pretty quickly on my on my side. By the way, by the way, there was a statement that was made. And again, we didn't catch it. Sometimes you don't catch it when it's being said. Remember in Hosea, he makes a statement that we also see again. Paul brings this up. He says, oh, death, where is your, where is your, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? And then it comes up again. And we see this, okay, well, maybe this is alluding to what Jesus is doing. All right, so now let's go ahead and answer a few more of these questions. Uh, the title says what? Oh, I must, so I need to, I need to correct something, huh? Okay. <laughs> Let me, you know what? Uh, if maybe I, maybe I wrote something down the wrong way. Let's, let's, let's fix this though. If <laughs> I misspelled something. I can I can fix that. I'm, I apologize. I apologize. What did it say? It said, "Oh, oh, okay. I see what you mean." Did Jesus? Okay, you know what? Bam! I fixed that right now. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. That's weird. I need to give me a staff to take care of that, huh? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Spider Monkey. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, could, ev could Ephesians 4.8 captives be demons? No. Here's why. Good question, but here's why. Let's go to Ephesians 4. Uh, it says, therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led uh, captives, a host of captives. Well, the question is going to be to where? Now, he's ascending on high. He clearly could not be taking demons on. They, they ain't going back to heaven. He's not taking them there, so it would just it would be illogical and not in keeping with with what God, the sentence that God has pronounced on them. They are marked for eternal destruction. Where they are is where they will be until they are tossed into the lake of fire. So, did the Old Testament saints go to heaven on Easter Sunday or on Ascension? They went on when they when Jesus. This we're talking about when he ascended. This is when they went. He led them on high. So, good question also. My question is along these lines, but when Saul called up Samuel, was he speaking from paradise? You mean, was was Samuel? I'm sorry, not Samuel. Uh, yeah, Samuel. Was Samuel from paradise? Not totally sure, Um but where Samuel was, if you ask him where he came from, it would have to have been paradise. Uh, paradise or Abraham's bosom, the abode of the dead for those who are righteous. That's the only place that, that uh, Samuel could have been. And to call him up, he, he literally brought him up. Now, there was obviously extreme judgment on Saul because, as a matter of fact, the Bible mentioned that, as well as 
his previous sin. Samuel was a, Saul was a horrible person. <laughs> Saul was a horrible person, but he was exactly what the people asked for. They you get sometimes you get exactly what you ask for. So, question: Is the thief in heaven? He would have to be, because if he was in paradise with Jesus, and then if paradise, if what I'm saying is true, and if paradise, the abode of the dead, is now that that group of hosts that he led up, he would have to also been in that number as well. So that's a good question, Drew. So what happens after death? Paul makes a statement. Um, to live as Christ, to die as gain. So from now on, after, after death, it is appointed unto men once to die and then the judgment. So once you die, bam, you're gone. To be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. So once you die as a believer, now as a believer, you immediately go to be with the Father. Now, we believe that there's going to be this pre-tribulation rapture, and notice what it says in that passage in 1 Thessalonians, that when Jesus is coming back, who's he coming back with? He's coming back with all the dead saints. Those dead saints that were taken up, they're coming back, and then they're going to get a glorified body just like us. Well, I don't want to get into that because it's a whole other topic, but no, we don't, we don't, we don't, uh, we immediately face judgment, but our judgment is different than what the rest of the world is going to see. Do you see this topic in reference to Abraham's bosom, grave, etc., where the seventh day and yes, I do, I do, I do. As a matter of fact, specifically the Catholics, they you could understand where this whole issue of purgatory comes in. Now, in true Catholic form, they take it to the nth degree and just mess it up. They really do. We there's no one there that can be brought up, that can be prayed out of there. Those that were there even, even before Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, these there was no there was no hope for them. Your ticket was stamped before the cross. Now, after the cross, you go immediately to where you're gonna be forever. Okay, so yeah, but I, yeah, now again, I do see the genesis of where they get that from, but they just, and maybe because it, in typical Catholic fashion, uh, enough of them did not read the scriptures. So, sorry Catholics. Could you confirm the story of Lazarus and the rich man as a parable? Well, let's go back to it. Uh he is stated in there was a rich man. Now the Bible doesn't he doesn't call it a, a parable. Now in all the other parables there's no one else's name that's used. Is it possible this could be a parable and in this parable he's just giving someone a name is it, that's possible also. Uh I I honestly though would not be too hung up on whether this is a parable or not. Um, because there's a, even in the parables, all the parables bring about a truth. Are you with me? And so I think that I, I would take this to be legitimate, but even if it is a parable, it doesn't really matter. He's giving us truths in this parable, speaking of namely this, this chasm. So what does Psalm 139.8 mean? Let's go to Psalm 139.8. Do I have this in the Old Testament up here? Well, if I don't, I'll pull it up. Would you say Psalm 
Okay, hold on one second, and let's, because I may need this as well. All right, let's put it on the screen. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. That That's really speaking of, and if I take the wings of dawn, if I dwell to the remotest parts of the sea, wherever you go, God is. There's no place that escapes God's eye or escapes his, uh, his presence. And so that's all that, that really means. Okay, I already answered that one. Uh, the wicked soul, do they go to hell? Yes, they do. Do they go to hell until judgment? Yes, they do. At that moment in time, hell, um, all of its inhabitants, demons, Satan, at that point in time will be cast into the lake of fire forever. So, yes. And on that day, we'll say, man, listen, sucks to be you. <laughs> Sucks to be you, brother. It's not not going to be a good day. Let's see. <laughs> I, I can't answer that because that's someone giving um, extra license. I don't have no idea what that means, that he stumped a mark on Satan. But, and so when he says that he crushes his head, um, it is, it's kind of in a anthropomorphic sense. It's, it's, it's metaphoric. Uh, Matter of fact, if that's all that happened to Satan's head, that would be the best thing that he can hope for. But I can't, I can't um, speak to as to what that pastor meant. So, but now the good news is this, though, guys, and this is the point, the point and purpose of this. This is why this, this is even important. Because when we see that God going through all these great links, one to do exactly what He said He's going to do, and this hope that we have, because remember when Peter, Peter, when Paul is having this discussion, this is where this whole issue baptism of the dead comes up and so forth. But his whole point is that if there is no resurrection, well, then we are to be pitied. But there is a resurrection. Jesus proved so. And then our our dead saints who are now with him, they've been resurrected. So that's the hope that we have. And if God has done all these other things, this resurrection, which we can't see until we actually die, if all these other things have happened, we have proof to know that he's going to accomplish that as well. Well, when we say he's in the grave, <laughs> we take it, by the way, you'll see oftentimes this term used of people who are in the grave who are asleep. That means that they're dead and that they have no consciousness. And so even Jesus, he didn't cease uh, consciousness when he when his physical body was killed. Are you with me? So... Um, he is doing, he is doing what he was called to do. Uh, remember, Jesus was also busy before he had taken on any flesh, before his incarnation. So, yes, I think that Abraham's bosom and paradise are the same thing. And I believe that's where he went. Okay, so. Guys, I want to thank you so much for your time. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do, do you think that King Saul was condemned? I do believe. Oh, yes, without without question. As a matter of fact, uh, the word is told that he is condemned, um, one, for bringing Samuel up, <laughs> for consulting this seer, this medium, but then also the other sins that, uh, that Samuel was engaged in. Samuel was just a person. 
the people chose him, the people want him, even though God brings him to them, but that was going to be the same case with any of them. Uh, but then God chooses somebody, which is why we have that term, a man chosen after his own heart. That mean that David had the same heart that God had. That's, that's not what that meant, that they had, that David had a heart of like God. No, a man after his own heart is a man after God's own choosing. That's what that means. And so God chose a person. And why did God choose that person? Because again, the, the prophecy was that the scepter shall not depart Judah. Well, again, we didn't have a king until Saul comes. Saul's a Benjamite. But David, through that lineage, is of the tribe of Judah. So that's what God chose. That's what God did. And I think it's remarkable to go back and see how God's word just lines up perfectly. Just like Hannibal and A-Team, when he said, I love it when a plan comes together, even more so when God's plan come together. And we can look back at his plan unfolding and coming. Again, the only book on the planet, the only book on the planet with predictive prophecy that has come true. None other on the planet can make that statement. Not any of the Vedas, not the Quran, nothing can make this statement. So, that being the case, and I will see you guys on, someone asked about the, the next Bible study, every Saturday, every Saturday at uh, 11 p.m., 11, 11 a.m. Central, as well as we're going to have a Q&A this Friday. So, guys, I thank you all. God bless you, and I will see you all tomorrow.